0: Welcome to the Vince Del Monte podcast show where each week we bring you the raw and real experiences, lessons, and timeless principles every man needs to master the five M's of manhood. By sharing conversations with the world's most successful people pursuing the five M's, you'll build muscle faster, achieve a winner's mindset, increase your money, dominate your mission, and go the distance with your marriage. My name is Vince Del Monte, entrepreneur, author, pro fitness model, and father. And I've helped tens of thousands of men transform their bodies and lives through muscle, entrepreneurship, and personal development. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's begin.
1: Something I didn't mention to you guys before hitting recording, because I thought it was really relevant to share with the audience. And that's the fact that we are recording this podcast episode at 6 a.m. on a Saturday morning. And, And why I think that's relevant is because... The last episode, I we've done predominantly interview-based shows, but every once in a while I'll pop in with kind of a, an idea or a rant. And last week's episode was really me screaming into the microphone for about 30 minutes talking about waking up and stop hitting snooze on your life. And the reason why is because I was having this consistent conversation with my clients, with my students, and people just in general. I was at a Christmas party and somebody was asking me, like, how can I get up? In the morning. And, and, and in, in my eyes, it's just easy. It just, when you wanna get up, you just get up and you just start your day. So this is not a I got you moment, but I think it's important to show that, hey, we had to move some things around in our schedules this past week with a last minute surgery. And then obviously Vince is up there running a massive business, but we wanted to get this done. So we figured out a way, and it's literally 6 a.m. on a Saturday morning. So I appreciate you guys. I know that this is gonna be tremendously valuable. To the audience and sometimes just wanted to share we're willing to do whatever it takes to make these conversations happen so i appreciate both of you but setting the context of where i really want to take you guys and i'm going to give give you guys a, a chance Vince. i think the majority of our audience knows a lot about your story so we can bypass like who is vince del monte but we definitely want to give papa here a chance to intro himself and you know really where i want to take the conversation is it's all about fathers and in the role of the father in the family the role of the father, perhaps in a business-type setting. I think, Vince, you can have some unique perspectives to share here. Before we jump into that, I'll start with you, Luch. Why don't you just share in maybe a you know, quick three- to five-minute bio, just your background, who you are, the role that you played in, in helping Vince build this massive brand and business that he's got online.
2: I'll tell you, I got, I got something uh, here. That's the
1: mastermind. That's the
0: mastermind. Something.
2: This here is where I'm from. This is my father, the original Bronx Tale guy. Okay. That's who Vince is named after, Vince Del Monte,
0: Vincenzo Del Monte. That's a close-up of my pop. I post that photo on my Facebook page if anybody wants to see it.
2: Immigrant. came from Italy uh, right after the war. So I'm the son of immigrants. I'm the oldest of three. My late uh, brother Bruno passed away of uh, drug uh, drug addiction. He was Vince's, uh, one of his favorite uncles, if not favorite. And uh, that's part of our story, our pain. Grew up in an Italian home, Luciano, Rosetta, I met Vince, all my kids are named after someone in the family. Vince took the name of his two grandfathers, Rosetta is my wife, Rosetta, married, three three great sons most of the time, and uh, three amazing uh, daughters in love, seven grandkids, those are my greatest claims to fame. I Grew up in Toronto, I grew up in a part of Toronto where it was mostly Jewish people and Italians, Jews, Jewish people were about 80% of the population. And we were 20%. I grew up, my best friend was a, was Jewish, Dave Langer, so we were the Jew Whoppy. <laughs> I guess the most important thing of my about my early life was I struggled. I, my parents couldn't speak English. They couldn't speak English, so they couldn't help me. And I, I wasn't one of those natural immigrant kids who skated to the top, right, and was became famous. I struggled. I failed grade one. I was passed on trial three years in a row. And Life was just a struggle, and teachers didn't know what to do with me until the ninth grade when I went out for track and field, the last-ditch effort to survive this life. I didn't know that at the time, and I ran the mile, four laps around the 400-meter track, and I happened to run it in a, well, I almost died, five minutes and 17 seconds, which was pretty fast for a 14-year-old who never put on a pair of shoes, running shoes. Local high school coach came by. And I tell you, I'm telling you this story because it shaped my philosophy of coaching as I look back now over 67 years, as I look back to those days. His name was Jim Parker. He came up to me, he says, hey, uh, what's your name? I said, uh, they call me Lucky Lucy. He said, okay, I'll call you Lucky Lucy too. What are you going to do sports next year? I says, yeah, I'm going to play football and soccer. He says, no, you're not. I'm going to make you a track star. Well, I never did get my soccer equipment or my football equipment. The day I arrived on high school campus there, William Lyon McKenzie, he got me a pair of plastic Adidas used probably 15 times by other kids' running shoes and spikes. He says, I'm going to start training you cross-country. First year, I finished like 100th. It was horrible, like in the finals, in the race. The next year, I finished fourth. And then the year after that, I was invited to a scholarship to the University of Wyoming. So because of a person, that's what I'm – my whole point of this, it wasn't religious guy. He wasn't anything. He was just a regular high school teacher who took an interest in this kid who had long, shaggy hair, thick eyeglasses, and said, I'm going to make you something that you're not. And my parents didn't know I had this capacity. Everybody in Toronto knew me as a runner. Uh, I was probably bigger than the legend went out to be. I wasn't that big at all. I was just a little guy. But that defined me. And so I ended up going to Wyoming. I failed there horribly. Like on my scholarship, I lost it because I drank too much and partied too hard and happened to eke out a good race or two. But the big one was I got injured and I had to come home with my head between my legs and ended up. It was the best thing that happened, though. I met my wife at the university I went to here in Ontario. And uh, we met in our Italian class. And next to my salvation in Christ, she's the, there's a close Between her and God, there's, I don't know who really saved me. I know, I I, I can tell you my wife was part of my salvation. And so that began our journey in 1973. And then we were saved again. I came to know Christ in 74, 1974, October the 6th. After a years long battle with my will and God's will, I, I, Christian word is surrendered. I, I actually have my little card here. I wrote down on my card in 1974, as God is my witness. I've decided to surrender every area of my life to Jesus Christ and I didn't even know what that meant. I'm 23 years old, 22 years old and I, I make a decision like that that changed the rest of my life. I don't think I've ever backslidden. I made a decision that was so defining. I had my ups and downs, I've sinned here and there but I've never had a five month or six month or year-long relapse like from the get-go out of the blocks, I was all out for God. So that defined me. My wife and I were at a winery last night, one of Vince's favorite places in Niagara Falls. Just reflecting on how hard those years were and how stupid we were at times, we didn't know any better. But all out commitment defined us. First, you make your choices. Lesson number one today. Then your choices make you. And my first choice was to marry the right girl and start dating the right girl. And my second choice, which was before that choice, was to say yes to Jesus Christ and uh, open the door of my heart to him. Those were two defining choices, who I married and who I chose to be the boss of my life, the
0: CEO of me incorporated.
2: (laughs) Is that okay? Is that enough? Yeah,
0: no, that's that's Um, absolutely amazing. Um, What am I going to say now? Holy cow.
2: (laughs) Well, one one last thing, my career, so I went, I became a school teacher, taught school, but then after a period of time, I went into Christian ministry. I was a, Vince doesn't, Vince gets my details mixed up. I went into Christian ministry for a long period of time, working primarily with university students. And then in for about 20 years of my life, I worked as a pastor in, in sizable churches. And then the last 10 years I've been working as a coach and Vince has been good to give me, a lot of his people have come to me to coach, to be coached and even pay me, which is, I've been a nonprofit. But Vince kept saying, "Dad, you got to go into the profit business too."
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's amazing. I started working with Vince back in 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 2017, and although I came him, I came to him for for business building principles. Ultimately, like he is him, and obviously you have played a massive role in in my transformation, and and really, thank you. Putting together how I now how view the world, I can. I, there's been a handful of times that Vince and I have had one-on-one personal conversations about struggles that I've been going through, and I, I seek him for guidance. And he's been very humble. As hey, I don't think I have the answers here, but I know my dad does. Mm. He's been very, very instrumental in passing along some of the lessons that he's learned. So I appreciate you for 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 sharing that intro. I think that there's a lot that we're going to be able to extract from that here as, as we continue on, Vince. With you, I think where I'd like to start for you is something I mentioned before we started recording, like in this kind of call it influencer circle. I don't really like that term from fitness coach to, to growing and evolving into the business coach and, and really being a mentor to men your entire life. One thing that has really been a staple in your entire journey, you can see the growth events for the last 11 years. Like you've grown up online that can go back 11 years and see some yeah. of your original YouTube videos. But one thing right. that's been consistent in your content and, and in mm-hmm. your messaging has been your dad and his influence on your life. Can you maybe just for a few minutes share with us how growing up with Lucha as a father and has shaped your values, has shaped you as a man and why that's been such an integral part of your business?
0: Yeah. I oh, well man, where do I start? So I think just to give people some like specific details early on, just I think more pictures will help people because I have a lot of like movies in my mind. So uh, first of all, the way to describe my dad, is, dad is he's highly engaged <laughs> to the point where we get a lot of text messages, probably more text messages than you get from anybody, not per week, but per day. So, so my dad is a, he's a people person the way, you know, he did, we describe my late uncle Bruno is that uncle Bruno didn't know half of Toronto. He knew all of Toronto <laughs> and, uh, that's the kind of the family we grew up in big Italian family, but my dad did latch on to a few things that, I, that he's passed on to us that we'll pass on to our kids. One was the love for running. I don't know if it was as much of a love at the time when it was a very painful sport. I know my brothers and I would all contribute our mental toughness to running. We're not soft guys. We're not weak, but we're all very strong. And my dad introduced us to the world of running. Uh, very, probably one of the best gifts he gave us, long distance running, cross country running. Fifteen hundreds, three thousands, like road races, triathlons, like those days were formative. Looking back now, and you guys write books on mental toughness, and I'm like, man, I got this growing up. Seventy five hard. What a great you know concept, Andy Frisella. But like, I got this growing up. I didn't have to get told to do something crazy. This was my. This was just my upbringing. So that's a big staple. Second big staple was books. If you go down to my dad's office, even at all of our homes, there was just, you can see right now in the background, just, and you can see in my office, just books and books. We go to the movies, and my dad would always bring a bag. I'm like, dad, what's in the bag? And he'd have six or seven books.
2: Well, just in case there was a bad movie, I put my life.
0: <laughs> and he, so we just grew up around books. We grew up around running. We grew up around family. We grew up around seeing. <clears> His commitment to my mom. Like, I honestly don't remember blow ups or anything. There was never, oh my goodness, there was always consistency around the house. Mom and dad were always there. They were always there. Mom was always ensuring that we weren't, we were always taken care of. Our basic needs were always taken care of. And dad would always push us, he'd always push us and hold us to a very high standard. I think another valuable thing that if I think about my dad and my and what he's given me is circle. Like I remember his friends were always solid. They were always interesting guys. They were strong Christian men. Like they weren't flaky. Like Big Pete Cooney, Peter Pete Cooney, and I just started meeting the guys that he would have breakfast with. I'm like, these are solid men. Like they they treated me like their son. They would always give me a big hug. They would ask how I was doing. So I, I had a constant front row view of what it meant to invest into people. Mm-hmm. And, and my dad then on with his career on that, I've shared this quite a bit lately, I' seen him minister to people in small groups. and I'm up in, on stage talking about business. So he did the same, but helping people with their spiritual lives and obviously teaching principles from a biblical perspective. And again, you see the impact of that. And he was just around great people all the time. There's always great people in our home. And I think those, all of those things combined uh, made up for some pretty good ingredients uh, to bake a pretty solid sun, if you will. And then there's a lot of other interesting things, but those would probably be the main the main ingredients, and then just like a constant push to pursue a personal relationship with Jesus. That was always been there. Christmas gifts were always devotional books. Christmas books were, Christmas presents were always things that were related to personal development. It's what I do now. Like I got my son, I'm getting on all books for Christmas. It's the only gift that my kids are getting for me because I don't know what else to get them. Flavie's got them a gazillion gifts. I don't know how she... Do you remember what we would always do between
2: Christmas and New Year's? We'd go away for a couple of days, wherever we were. And what did I help you guys do? Including mom. Set goals.
0: Oh, set goals. And that was a, that's a good one. We should talk about that because what a simple concept on the first of every year, we sit down at the kitchen table. My dad would get a, a white piece of paper. We'd break it up into um, four quadrants, so a T. And in the top top left, you'd write down your physical goals. And then the top right, you'd write your intellectual goals. And then the bottom left, you write your relational slash emotional goals. And then the bottom, you'd write your spiritual goals. Oh, you remember. Unbelievable. Wow. And it would be just like two or three things. And, and we have, we, we can go back and read them. And it was so simple. Like some of the things we'd write down, like read my Bible every day. Or go ask to church on nine. Sundays.
2: That's grade Nine.
0: Yep. That's great. You know, on, you know, training, it was, you know, a little longer list. It's run a 915 3000. There was always like qualify for Quasa, qualify for OFSA. There was always goals. Mm. We, I was very, it was always, and it's funny because that's where my life went. I was, I became very numbers driven with sales and what I do now and growing and hitting certain targets, I'm sure it was all rooted in those foundational years. I think one thing I'd say, just to say, this sounds a little too good to be true, Vince. Uh Um, And I think a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't understand this. My parents did set a high bar. Frank, I think this is important to share because you hear my father's an example of somebody who proves that you don't have to be a failure. Yeah, he has his things. He had to get over, but he didn't have to blow through 10 marriages to. didn't have to lose everything to get it right. Like you don't have to, like those stories, I get it. That Everybody has their own story. I'm just saying you can go to school on other people's mistakes. You can have, if you put yourself in the right environment and you live a Christ-centered life and your decisions are biblically anchored, you can do great things without all the mistakes along the way. Yeah. I think what I wanted to say on the flip side was that the bar was set pretty high. Like the bar was set pretty high. So there was... It never came, it was never direct pressure, but there definitely was like, uh, man, this is, this is tough. Like I got to live to this standard all the time. Like I got to go to Bible studies the rest of my life. Like it was like something I got to guard my eyes all the time. Like I got to watch what I say and do all the time because someone might never read a Bible and I'm like the only witness they'll ever be like, so there was this kind of <laughs> bit of a pressure. Like i got to go to small groups all the time with these, some of the people in Bible studies, they're not doing anything with their life. I yeah. want to go do something. I want to go make a name. They're like, these guys aren't doing anything with themselves. They just want to talk and read the Bible and pray. I'm like, I actually want to go. I actually want to go build something. Mm-hmm. I want to create something. So I think that's where too I started to just see that. That's probably where my dad started getting a little scary because I wanted to really like maximize all this. But yeah, there was some pressure. It was like, okay, shoot. I had a love for the world as well. I'm not going to lie. Like I had all the same friends that probably most people did all the Italian Gino guys we go to the bar, we line up the shots, we'd invite the girls to have some drinks and we'd have we'd we'd chase the good times. So I had a lot of like I had a season of a Saturday night Vince and Sunday morning Vince. So there was like a conflict of which Vince who is the real Vince because when you have when you live under not live under his shadow, but maybe that is the term Like you can, yeah, you have his protection. People are like, oh, Vince is a good guy. But then when you start to live a separate life, which, and that's, that was probably the struggle that somebody like me has to figure out who's the real Vince. Am I going to be my own man? Or am I going to blend a bit of this stuff? Like I had to figure out what do I really believe?
2: Yeah.
0: Does that make sense? Yeah. uh, Yeah. Not I got
2: yeah. all kinds of things come to mind. But I'm a
0: pro- I'm a product like my dad of like you know I got lucky too meeting Favia. She gave me a, a shot, and I think I saw that opportunity. She didn't want to know anything about, and I didn't have a crazy past or anything. My late twenties, we went out more often than not, and we went to the bars more often than not, and did the bottles and stuff. But so I, I- want to
2: say one one thing to 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 brand to Frank's Frank's brand or his focus. I, as a father, I, I think where I failed Vince, I tried, I I was very much into, my dad was a mechanic. So he said, Luciano, you never take care of your cars. Like you always bring the car to me when it's broken down. There's two ways to take care of your car. One is preventative. The other is crisis. You always come to me in a crisis. It <laughs> always costs you more because you wait till it all falls apart. All right. And, and, and I think with Vince, I took the preventative approach with all my boys. If I do all these things, they won't get into pornography. They won't get into drugs. I think fear drove a lot of my parenting because mm-hmm. of my background and because of my brother. So Vince probably had a battle with, with lust. Every guy does, but it could have been greater than I didn't make room for him to breathe. Like he he really struggled probably in that area too. All my boys probably did, but my wife would always tell me, "Don't lie to the boys about sexual purity. Be clear, be honest, painfully honest." I still remember sitting in the car with him once, reading a paragraph from a book called *The Sexual Man*, because I really wanted him to understand about that masturbation was normal for men. And yet, and the same, as a kid, as you're evolving, don't put yourself in the hole of depression. Because, but I'm just saying there were these secrets that you you develop as a kid, right? And you start, and if your parents are highly committed. If your parents are highly committed, you you can't breathe because uh, I should have known that. I taught in a Christian school, and the kid who shouted the loudest that his parents were part of that was a private school. They shouted the loud about porn and all this stuff, and yet their son had the biggest battle with it. The kid, the, I don't know if the kid's still alive today. He may have got, I just have no. I know a guy who hung himself because he couldn't talk about it in church. He hung himself. It was wow. he was an older. he was in his thirties. That's not old. But he was that fearful. So I think I don't want to go ahead of our conversation. Well, no, no, you're, you're, I
1: think you're like, right on target here. I think this is something that maybe we can even narrow in even deeper into because of, because of the work that, that I do and with the coaching and everything. So I think, just you know, go ahead, Vince.
0: There is a right and wrong way to live life. <laughs> Absolutely. A lot of people say, oh, you just got to live your own truth. No, if your truth is stupid, you shouldn't live your truth. A lot of people's truth doesn't help we were raised based on timeless principles of the Bible and and where we're getting our wisdom from is like biblical truth. And I grew up on books like this, like every man's battle, (laughs) every man's guide to winning the war on sexual temptation, one victory at a time. My dad equipped us. I don't think he was so much, maybe he was trying to protect us, but I think what he did a great job of in his defense is he prepared us. He truly prepared us. Like he gave us tools. He put us in bo- environments where I had opportunities to talk to other guys about bouncing your eyes. I was learning these techniques on, like, when you see a beautiful woman, the first look is innocent. It's the second look that's a sin. And I'm like, okay, that's a great, t- that's a great tool. Like, I can't control, like, when I go to the gym, if what a girl's going to wear. But then you like, you can control what time t- you go at, and if a beautiful girl walks right in front of you, yeah, you can acknowledge. But then it's the second look that gets you into trouble. So it's okay. That's where we have to start to fight. And that's and then you start having these tools. So it wasn't stuff we just talked about. It was very practical. And I think my dad just really kept it real. We've had all sorts of like crazy things going up. Remember when we should put this one on the podcast, Frank, when mm-hmm. you had slow speed dial internet and I stole my, not stole, I, I took my parents' credit cards and I started ordering porn. <laughs> um, um, on his credit card. I don't remember how old I was, but I was trying to
2: kid. You were a teenager, young teen. You a- I don't know how I got
0: found out. It was on the credit card. I don't know how well, I
1: shown up on the, the billing state. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it's the- clearly well, on the my
2: CIBC card. <laughs> so so, so
1: was, Rosetta, Rosetta, was, Rosetta was, comes uh, to you and she's what, like, what are you ordering? And then you got to figure which one of the three boys
2: initially, no, to fit, that's the good story. I was afraid. I wasn't sure if he was going to share it. I wasn't going to share it if he didn't bring it up, but I think I had a choice in that moment. As a dad, especially a sports dad, you have a choice. When your kid fails in his own eyes, your parenting really shows up. When they succeed, it's easy to be a great dad. Cheer them on, way to go, son, reward them. But when they fail in their own eyes, and maybe if you've been athletic too, in your eyes, that's when the test of being a dad comes through. And then the other test of a dad is what do you do when you find out your son is struggling with an area that you're struggling with, but now it's on your kid. After I flipped out on him, we went down to the basement. He probably doesn't remember this. And I awkwardly said to him, why don't we read through Psalm 51? And it was a Psalm of confession, David's Psalm, where he prayed that Psalm after he committed adultery with Bathsheba. Now, this wasn't at that level. This was a kid struggling with his, just learning about himself. Curious. I mean, it was not more than that, and we prayed. And I don't think he wept, but I did. And I just thought he's got to get it out of him. If this is he. The window's been open, and my wife had a prayer that the kids would be for innocent as long as possible, because we knew what the world was like. Even, and I pray that for my grandkids that the Lord keep them innocent as long as possible. This is a really effed up world out there. And you can't protect them forever. They can't stay in the Garden of Eden forever. Yeah,
0: so, um, so, so And I so think true. even then I got the job at Jumbo Video and Jumbo Video. So Jumbo Video, they I don't think they had an adult section, but they had the thriller section and they had the comedy section. I was the guy who put away the movies. I love this job because I got 10 free movie rentals every week. <laughs> And I was the guy that made the popcorn and I have to carry these um, big bags of kernels over my shoulder and it made my arms look a little bigger. <laughs> there was the, and I had to sweep the floor and it was a jumble video on Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. It was ram-packed. It was the place to be to go get your videos. It started to open up that window a bit more to if I could get, if I was always I like curious, if people brought back the thriller rental, sometimes there were scantily clad women on the covers or the back, then I could get a little peek. And then, so it opens up this window of curiosity. And I think, I don't know if this is what I knew that I knew what was happening was I was like, there was this like massive rush of adrenaline. There was this thrill, there was this excitement, but there was also this fear. There's also some guilt. And I'm like, where's this all coming from? I used to sneak movies out the back of the, of the place. Cause you know, the back office, I would put some of them in, I would put them in a bag and I would, I'd bike home with them to watch some of these, they weren't porn. They were just like, you just fast forward it just to get a glimpse of a girl, maybe going into a shower, uh, without her clothes on. And I would ride home and my, like my heart rate was probably pumping faster than like 180 beats a minute. And there was just this adrenaline and thrill. Mm -hmm. And so what I started to see was like all this stuff my dad was warning me about was like, it could, it's going to lead to this. It's going to lead to this. So I started to like actually wrestle. I think what my dad, when your parents give you, hey, this is right and this is wrong, you actually start to force yourself to fight and wrestle earlier on than when it's too late. Imagine being grown up, oh, it's normal to do that. Hey, just try not to do it too much. Hey, just say like, keep the door closed. Just it's no, I'm like, I'm not, I'm doing something that's wrong. So I think I started to address these fights earlier on in life before they accumulated to a point where it was like. Oh man, I've got this addiction, how do I break it? There was a constant wrestling ever since day 1. Does that make sense? Like even then I wasn't like this is normal. Like people say, "Oh, it's okay. Go my kids are going to have sex anyways. I might as well just tell them to tab wear a condom." I'm like, "That's your parenting?" Are you well, let's, kidding
1: me? Yeah, let's take it right there and, and and flip it from story story time with Vince. I think we'll get back to that, but Vince, <laughs> you're you're a father to to a boy, to a to a boy that will grow into a teenager will become a young man, and then obviously, we don't have to explain it's happens. happening
0: so fast,
1: exactly. So, so knowing it. Lou shared some of the things that perhaps maybe he didn't do correctly, and as far as those conversations with you and Michael and Mike on it, in, in, in Adrian, how, if you haven't yet thought, I'm sure you already have thought about this, but in preparation for that time comes when you begin to have these conversations, how are you going to navigate it perhaps a little bit differently, and what advice perhaps can either one of you have to? men out there that are, that are fathers with young boys, men that are fathers with teenagers uh, or even perhaps a teenager that is growing up without a father. Can we speak directly to those? Yeah,
2: I like to, Vince, let me say one thing. Just, I want to preventative here. I think what my thought, my thought pattern, I was obsessed. I was not, I got a couple things here. I pulled down from the shelf Two two ideas. Like I had a poem I memorized when the guys were small, called my little boys dead. And uh, I memorized this great poem here, My Little Boy's Dad. At the last stanza says, I may never come to glory, I may never gather gold, and men may count me as a failure when my business life is told. But if my little boy can just grow up godly, then I'll be glad. Then I'll know I've been successful as my little boy's dad. Now, whether that's right or wrong, that was my obsession. I didn't have the obsession Napoleon had, Hill had to think and grow rich. He said his the bottom line of that book is today's obsessions become tomorrow's realities more than anything. And again, it's probably because of an absence in my life. I wanted to have a marriage that was worth, that was worth the trouble like that. My marriage mattered and that my, my kids would not, I would not be the reason my kids walked away from God. That if they walked away from God, it wasn't because dad was an asshole or a bad example. But they walked away because they intellectually or morally just said, you know what? I'm out. Dad, it's not your fault. It's not mom's fault. I didn't want to be the one who I was the reason for their defection. Now, there's a great verse. And, and Tim Keller, who's one of the best Bible teachers out there in Manhattan, he quotes this, uh, Proverbs 19:18. You want to write this down for your people. Discipline your son while there is hope. And otherwise, you will ruin their lives. And the, he says the word discipline there is not punished. It's coach. It's the closest word we have today is coach. So I was into discipline slash punished, not discipline slash coach. I think, and I think Vince talked about some tips. I think later on you begin to realize, I need to Okay, this is how you're playing the game of life. Here's a thought on how to do that better or how to tweak. Like I, I didn't take, I just, I came in like a 10, like I came in like a tank and tried to force change on them. And I think what I ended up doing was they would retreat. And each of my boys is different. Vince is the one who gives me the biggest pass. He forgives me the most. My other two boys are more analytical. Like they, yeah, you did hurt me, dad. That really did hurt. And they're, they're Vince protects me. I don't know why. He, he has this, he's got, but I was, we were the hardest on him. Truth be told, we were the hardest. But Because he was maybe the firstborn. But discipline your son while there's hope. See, there's still hope when they're in the house. There's hope. And you can coach them and guide them. But that's why it's important to spend as much time. I, I just see guys obsessed with their success at work, whether it's online or offline, you know, brick and mortar. And if they could just take a percentage of that and invest it in their kids. When you see your kids struggling like I did, my dad didn't know better, but I needed help. I needed help, and they didn't know how I suffered. And if your kid is suffering academically, for example, if they suffer school-wise, that's hard on kids. And if they're suffering because you're not there, that's even more painful. If they're suffering because they've got a, they've got something in their DNA that's just they're struggling, whatever. That's another thing. You get help, but if they're struggling because you're not present, that's bad. To me, that's wrong. So I felt that deeply that I don't want my kids to suffer because of malpractice as a parent. I want to do my best, not just to give them presents, but as they say, to be present and engaged. So I hope that helps to understand, yeah, rules without relationship lead to rebellion. And so I did invest in the relationship. And the other plaque I have is 50 phrases to encourage your children. I just... I memorized these little things, this because I needed help. I had I wasn't parented that, so I did my homework. There's no excuse today to be a lousy parent or dad. There's no excuse. If if we're lousy, it's because we have made other choices. So that's what, where I'm at on that. Sorry to be a bit amped up about that, but that's
1: no passion. Passion is what we're all about here. <laughs> you can't tell. Um, God, this is amazing. For those of you, I was able to find my little dad, my little boy's dad's poems. I'm actually going to link that down there <laughs> in the show notes for you guys that, wow. are, that are curious and, and, and what that has to say. But I think where your dad was speaking about being a present father, I think this is something that, that you've really brought into to your business.
0: I, I feel, I see like my dad is at such a high, high bar. Like I'm already starting to see my deficiencies. It's, I've got this business and my dad, he was fully immersed in his work. He was always in demand. He always had small groups. People always wanted to be around him. So I get it. Like his, we would look at his success differently because it was through the church and that compared to you know, how many members do you have, how much you guys bring it in per month. But like the the drive to be successful within the Christian ministry, the Christian world is just as
2: oh yeah absolutely the
0: temptations just it, that's all still there. So I think what i really respect my parents for is they truly did shift their time my dad came to all of our running races he was the dad we used to get i used to get mad at him not mad but i would be like dad you don't have to come to district 10 like district 10 the parents don't come to that one you can come to kwasa and definitely come to off all the dads all the parents come to Offsa. but district 10 it's just it's just don't worry i'm going to do well at that one so he'd be behind in the bushes he wouldn't even Tell us he's coming because we get nervous or frustrated. We we're coming around the corner midway through the race and he's in the bushes. He's like, Gov, come on, surge. <laughs> I'm like, Dad, what are you doing here? Holy cow. And, and it's a kind of a joke of oh, Vince. You're so lucky. My dad never came to any of my races. And I get it. My dad became a father to a lot of the runners on our team. He'd go to events that I wasn't even racing at and he'd be cheering people on. It would be great for you to ask my dad. Just, I don't know if it's a combination of his faith and being grown up in an Italian home and just loving people. Like, we love people. Like, my dad knows Like the reason I was so close to my uncle Bruno. I have a picture of him on my on a, a little thing with him. We're doing a shot of espresso together. I think we put a little flavor in that one. <laughs> might have, might have called, it a, they called it a cafe correcto. You put a little sambuca in it. And I like really enjoyed those experiences with other men. I think that my dad took it to another level where he just having these experiences with other men on the most vulnerable topics that men can talk about. The stuff we're talking about on this podcast and uh, talking about not so much what you're doing with your life. And my dad taught me this. He said, how often do you talk to your buddies about who they're becoming? Like, hey, so what are you guys doing this month, eh? So what are you guys working on? What projects you guys got going? Oh, yeah, yeah. What are your big goals for next year? So, so you happy who you're becoming as a father? Like, guys don't have these conversations. You and me, Frank. if we're hanging out, this will come up. Like, actually did come up when you and I were all hanging out. And Rudy, when we are in San Diego, we actually yeah. got to sit down and have, like, real man conversation. And I think men want this conversation. My dad really showed me, like, he helped me... S- helped me probably prompt a lot of these conversations with other men. And I know a lot of guys, like even in our circle, when we hang out, they like Vince is coming over. He's probably going to get us in a conversation tonight about something other than just something superficial. And so I think my dad always, that's a gift that I'm definitely going to pass along. I'll be the guy that prompts a good conversation.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was, I was catching myself at a few holiday parties and just events the past couple of weeks. This has just been an incredible kind of few years journey that I've been on. But being in these social environments, years ago, I was a guy, dead center bar, kind of leading the party, drinks on, who's drinks on, shots this and that. This year now, like, it was all different. Like, I'm in the corner having a deep conversation one-on-one about vision and goals and legacy. Literally, like, at a Christmas holiday party with everybody open bar over there, like, we're just talking about the next five years what we're trying to create. In, in the world so with Luch, you know were there were there men as you were growing and evolving as a father that were speaking in into you or where were you getting some of of your lessons that, in, in, in uh, your and that's
2: really good that's a good mistake i i don't know i woke up about three o'clock not knowing where our direction was going to go today and i was thinking of all my favorite movies so right now i'm i'm retiring but really i'm refiring i've already got a number mm-hmm. of Vince's guys lined up they want to pay well they're already paying me to coach them but they want to do more in the new year. But I was thinking, who have been my movie heroes? Well, I'm watching all six Rockies again. Rocky got me through the 70s. Rocky II got me through the 80s. Rocky three and four got me through the 90s. And, of course, the last two. <laughs> but that I've been so... I, I think about Rocky's been an archetype for me of a man, evolving man. And then, and then I think of The Patriot, Mal Gibson's character in The Patriot. I think of uh, Gladiator. I think of William Wallace. Like, all the men that I admire, and I'm maybe the odd guy out, like, are all protectors. They're fighters. They are they all have some, a theme in common. And I'm wondering, why am I drawn to these guys? Like, I, I must be sick because I see, I think I may be the wrong, I may be living in the wrong era. And I, I'm sure I'm not. I, I just, that's what I'm drawn to. And my wife, I'm glad I married a woman who wants to be protected and wants to be loved. Not just in a sexual way, but in a intimacy defined as a woman does. Not just sexual intimacy, but just emotionally and spiritually. And I'm glad my wife doesn't try to be a man. Like she's a woman, I'm a man. Like we don't blur the distinctions over here. And having said that, my one son has done a couple flicks on homosexual men and that world. Vince knows about the transgender story. With, yeah, like yeah. we are people of grace, I think we are. I, I have a my favorite book that I have in all my books is called "Families Where Grace Is in Place," not where control is in place, but where families where grace is in place. When grace is in place, there's room for growth, evolution. But I think I've had a lot of disillusionment with mentors. My my main mentor, the guy who actually invited me to receive Christ, he's on his third wife. He's in Thailand somewhere with this. He's 75 and she looks to me like 22. Some people go bizarre as they get older. So I had to find, I've had one my, one of my best mentors was Ken Lotus from Seattle. He passed away. He never, he, everybody disappoints you a bit, but Ken stayed true to his marriage. His, his sons to this day, all in their 40s, love their dad, their late dad. I wanted to be that guy. My, my original mentor, his kids don't want anything to do with him. And yet, he brought me to Christ. God used him to bring me to Christ, and his bad example actually has helped me to have a stronger marriage and a stronger try to be a better father, anyways. So sometimes a bad example can actually work for you. My best friend is a mentor to me. He's Chad House's dad, Tom House. Yeah. You know Chad, probably, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. We had Chad on the uh, Chad was episode five or six. He was he's one of the originals. Isn't that so okay. cool how
0: Chad's dad and my dad are like best buddies? And, and the thing,
2: yeah. the to secret Tom and I won't get off the phone without telling each other. We don't need Kevin and ice although we went through a season where we both were on Kevin and ice We don't,
0: said, tell them what that is, just I mean, for listeners, they might not.
2: Frank know may know, know but it's basically
0: yeah.
2: an, an online service that you can register for and they help you patrol your web. Your what what, you know, what other people are look, know that you see and don't see.
1: Yeah, you guys know, careless, and you guys are familiar with that. We have a partnership with Covenant Eyes. If it's something you're looking at exploring, I'm going to link it down there below. We have a coach, Superhuman, we'll give you first month uh, for free. Oh,
2: excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Good. You, okay. But Tom and I, we tell each other the last 10%. I think as you get older, your friends become fewer, your real friends. You start to see some of your friends fall off, like their secret lives. You start to see their secret lives. There's a scripture in the Old Testament what you did in secret, I will reveal publicly, like related to David. What he did in secret was made known publicly. So that's a bit scary. But, anyways, Tom and I, we don't let get off the call. We greet each other with some vulgar terms, and then we know that we still love each other. I won't use those terms here. But then we just, the next half hour, 45 minutes is like just intense, in depth. And then, oh, by the way, where's your where have your eyes been this week where's your thought pattern been wow. and just in doing that in just telling the last 10% i got i'm going to have another good week i know i'm going to have a good week revealing your feelings is the beginning of healing he who conceals his transgression will not prosper but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy mercy comes when you confess and forsake you won't experience mercy until you actually put it out there. And the Catholics, the Orthodox, the churches that have confession weren't all wrong. They like today, Protestants say we don't have to confess. We go right to God. I said, Really? When was the last time you went right to God with confession? Like a real I'm I'm come out from behind the barns, I'm guilty. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Forgive me, Lord. Like, when was the last time we we're up in arms about our not just that our sin affects us it affects the people around us it erodes the trust my wife when in the early years when i was younger than vince I had my struggles we didn't have online we had late night baby blue movies and on occasion i might be so stressed out from work i might go want to have a peek and she, i would never she would never come and say what are you watching she just trusted me her trust made me want to be a better person like, we didn't have all these rules. If you do that, I'm going to do this in response. Like, when there's rules without relationship lead to rebellion. And I just see a lot of people having this fake kind of accountability that results in people hiding rather than revealing. So, I wow. think we have to create environments of grace where people can tell the last 10% and then move on. I yeah, don't know. Does hear, that fit with your paradigm?
1: No, oh 100%. It's Brilliant. so powerful. I'm looking over Vince's shoulder right here at the words level up. And I have <laughs> obviously things that I, I I discuss on my coaching calls with my yes. men. I serve as the accountability to them. But hearing you speak about when you get off the phone with Ken, Chad's dad, it's like the last bit. It's like, where have your eyes been? And I'm thinking like, who, who is holding me accountable? Who am I having those conversations with as the coach, as a leader? Who am I going to for that accountability to make sure when I show up to my guys, that they're getting the ultimate best version of, of me. So you just challenged me there to look at my circle. I have tons of men that 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 speak into me on a consistent basis from Vince and, and you guys know Josh extremely well. We talk on a daily basis, but just hearing you speak that at your age, at your level of success with the family and the grandkids and, and, and everything that you're doing, that you still have that checkpoint in your life. It's just so incredible to hear because I think no matter where we get to in life, we need to ensure that we always have these, these checkpoints always have some level of, of accountability. So
2: a man has to talk with other men about his body. We've got to be more, we've got to talk. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it's so easy to move men into guilt on that. But I, I just think we just need to have raw conversations about what's going on with your body. What What are your needs? Like uh, one of the guys, actually you guys know Joel Marion. Joel asked me to coach a friend of his years ago. And one of the topics that came up was porn. So I asked my Jewish coach, who didn't share my worldview necessarily, my Bible worldview. He called me the Bible guy, the clergy guy. I said, Ken, how do I help my buddy? I wanted to know how a non-Christian would help a Christian sort of pornography. He said, I can see why you would want to do it this way, Luch. But why don't you just ask your client this question? So you're using porn. What relationship do you want to continue to have with porn? And the guy stood back and went, I don't want to have any relationship with porn. Okay. So what, the fact that you're using it though, what need is it meeting? And so that opened up a whole world of opportunity and change for him. And actually that guy today is still married to the same gal. They both survived the fairs early in their thirties. They went on to have a great marriage. Now this guy's an owner of a nice uh, franchise. Like, life has gotten better because we took a different approach that didn't cause him to hide, but caused him to open up and reveal. And then get some, revealing your feelings is the beginning of healing, as they say in NA, Narcotics Anonymous. Revealing your feelings, that's a great concept. So, anyway, that's my thought on that. Like ask people, go deeper, right? Even the whole idea of lusting. Like, Jesus didn't say don't look on a woman. That's impossible. But just look deeper at her. Look at her deeper. She's someone's daughter. She's someone's mother, maybe. She's
1: someone's sister.
2: She's someone's wife. Look at don't you can't not look at a woman. Jesus didn't say don't look on a woman. He said don't look on a woman to lust. Don't look on a woman to dress her down.
0: Like Yeah, defraud her. Yeah. That's those are the things that you start to understand. I remember a athletes in action they taught us to look at a woman through Jesus' eyes.
2: Oh, wow. That's powerful. If
0: if I was Jesus, how would Jesus, if Jesus had my eyes, how would he be looking at her? And those things like, oh my gosh, you can win this battle. I think what's really encouraging for people listening with all the stuff we're talking about, all these battles, they've already been won. They've already been won. We just have to, we have to go through our process, but it's really refreshing to hear my, my dad share all this because I think guys are, think that they're suffering alone. They think they're they're suffering in silence. There's nobody else going through this. And then there's all the shame and guilt. Then there's embarrassment. And then deep down, people know this isn't right. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's not be silly here. And but then you've got society that laughs at these topics, like this is normal, but it's no, it's not. What's name one thing that's normal about this? You're defrauding a woman every time you do this. And you would let other people do what you're doing with these women with your wives. Yeah, really? Come on. What are you smoking? But then, yeah, but then you have to, so you have to, the messages that wake them up, but then, yeah, you need the safe spot for them to say, okay, so how do I do, how do I get through this? Because this is a lifelong battle. Even the fact that my dad's talking about this right now, doesn't this go away when you get a little older? It just intensifies, really? So I thought like when I got married and after I turned 40 and my hormones drop a bit, it's just it's an easy one to manage. I thought this was just something I have to work on in my 20s, 30s. It gets worse. It doesn't get better.
1: I got to imagine I've never been married, but I would assume in a marriage with multiple children and responsibilities and stress and things like that the thought of a release through porn just probably at that point just seems like an even better idea than somebody that's single. So yeah, it's it's going to continue to get harder as your life yeah. continues to get harder yeah, because and more because
0: her Because a woman needs her needs met in a different way. A, a guy will talk for 10 minutes to get sex for an hour, but a woman needs an hour of talking to do 10 minutes of sex. <laughs> it's it's, like a, it's the, the, the dynamic wasn't set up optimally. So both parties have to work towards each other, but with different languages, different love languages. So that's hard. Yeah. Especially when, you know, right now the stage I'm in three young kids, you're exhausted. I shared this with my dad and I know he was really encouraged. I've shared this with our, even all of our mastermind members, but this past summer, Flavi and I both got some uh, coaching, some therapy around just the whole intent of the calls were to figure out our positive desired end states. We did them separately as individuals, and then we did them as a couple. And one of the things that we, we want is to build a marriage together. We want to build a relationship together. So that's been like a good anchor to pull us towards Like when you're fighting. But what typically pushes the couples apart in marriages is, is fatigue. You're both exhausted. I'm working all day. She's working all day, and there's no room for rest. And if there's no room for rest, there's no room for intimacy. If you're both tired all the time, then you just want to go to bed, sit on the couch. You think you're connecting, but you're just watching season four Vikings with another bottle of wine. That's not connecting. So you really have to work. I think that's maybe to bring it back to one of the top traits my dad gave us is he really demonstrated that a relationship requires work, like 10 times more work than you're even, you can imagine. It's hard and it's constant. Oh my gosh. You have to constantly think of somebody else's needs if you want a marriage that goes beyond surviving. And it's possible. That's the good news. All of this is possible if you make it a priority. I think that's what my dad's done a great job of is his marriage is a priority. His walk with Christ is a priority. And that through his decisions, that through his relationships, that with the impact he's had with hundreds and thousands of men over the years discipling like he said, right at the start, first you make your choices and then your choices make you. So all of these these battles can be won. I think what I respect most about my dad is he's figured out which battles are worth fighting and which battles have to be won. I think Frank, that's why you've got your podcast here too. I feel like this is the journey you're on and where you're feeling really called to do. You're seeing which battles actually matter.
2: I, yeah. And I think you're right. I, and I think we're at the end of a year. And one of the things that I encourage men to do every year at this time of year is pick a Bible plan. This is so painfully practical, like whether it's the one year Bible blog or the daily walk, which is really the daily sprint or even start get I, I, I whatever your form is. All these things are scaffolds. You, you need the scaffolding to get you to the essence. Ken Blanchard, the one minute manager talks about before you go into mentoring with someone, go into make sure you have essence, and the essence of it is a relationship with God, and the scaffolding is I got to read this book, I got to meditate on this book, I got to hear it, read it, study it, memorize it, meditate on it. Like the group I have on Friday mornings that Mark Evans runs, he's one of Vince's clients. Corby's in it. Coach Corby Waters is in it. Corby, Corby doesn't—he's Vince's head coach. He doesn't miss. I've got a bunch of aspiring millennial online guys like you in there and like you guys. And we're going into the word. I got one of the guys, he's working through a a two-year, he's going through this, Discipleship Essentials. I said, let's stop the bullshit. Let's stop skating with your Christian life and let's dig a little deeper. So he's going through Discipleship Essentials. What is the church? What is justification? Like we're doing some work. We're doing some holy sweat equity. And I'm just tired of the McDonaldization of Discipleship. We make McDonald's versions of Disciples. And this is painful to talk about. I know it's painful for Vince, because he actually introduced me to him this summer, Carl Lentz. Vince phoned me, says, Dad, I want you to meet somebody. But it's not just Carl. Poor Carl. Like Carl will recover. He's got money to get therapy and help, but the damage is done. Like your kids, some and the kids will forgive, and the wife will forgive, I hope. But you've got not just him. you got that other guy, the guy from Liberty University. I have two nephews who go to law school at Liberty, Jerry Falwell Jr. His wife, he got his wife involved with the pool guy. This is coming from the most conservative, not the liberal branches of the Christian church, but the most conservative places. We have this heinous stuff coming out, which you couldn't even, you couldn't even, Hugh Hefner couldn't come up with it or whoever these <laughs> So there's something wrong with the way we're like, Carl grew up at Liberty university. He grew up in the most conservative church world you can imagine. And it just shows you when we put competence and charisma ahead of character, we're setting people up for a fall. When your biggest thing is 700,000 likes on Instagram and you're showing pictures of yourself with your six pack abs. It's one thing for you and Vince to do it. Like you guys, Aren't in the pastoral space, the people, even non Christians. Joe Rogan called him out. Joe Rogan said, "What is this guy doing?" I, like when, I, Joe, yeah, did you have Joe on your show? Or did I, you talk- no, I
1: haven't had Joe, but I've heard that. I wish I could have Joe on the show. But I remember that episode where Joe talked about that, and I was. Another close friend of ours that that knows Carl very well, Dan Long. I get to see Dan almost on a daily basis, and we have very close, very intimate conversations. And this is something that he's kind of struggled with on a personal level because of his relationship with Carl. And I brought that back up, and it's Joe. Joe for this because I believe that episode that Joe did was like a year and a half, two years ago. Like, he almost saw the writing on the wall. Hey, this guy needs to check what he's putting out into the world. Is it really in line with what he's saying?
2: Go into uh, another field or something. Go yeah. into um, anyway. I, I didn't want to get off on that, but I think there's something. What did, you, what did you
0: say when you put charisma? What else do you? What are the things you said when you put? Uh, when you elevate? You know what, I just made that up. When you, you put, put competence and charisma before
2: character. character. Oh, yeah.
0: charisma, and competence before. It's character not that
2: competence, competence and charisma are great. If if you come by them naturally, well, competence you got to develop. Charisma you can jazz that up, but at the end of the day, who you are is who you are.
1: Vince is Vince is taking notes for his Monday morning social media uh, well, preparation. Why, We're going to see that not, on the IG this, late this next week. Actually, <laughs> this is
0: actually this uh, is actually a good representation of our relationship. When my dad talks, I take notes. Like, for Look, I, got, oh,
1: I got a page, I got a page and a half, and I need two, almost two full pages of notes yeah, so, here, so here, well, here. I'm myself, actually not
0: so. saying much here because I just I'm just listening. I'm like I don't have a whole lot to say here today.
2: I think I do I, need I, to say this to be to make sure you guys.
0: There's a few things I do want to say too. Yeah. You go there first.
2: No, no. All my boys are getting help now in their thirties and forties. They're all getting some outside help for their personal life and their marriages. And I have to believe, and I'm proud of them for it. Although a year or two ago, I would have been like embarrassed that my kids have to seek out help, but I, I can't, if you grow up in a family like ours, where achievement's a big deal, you do some damage. You don't mean to, You don't mean to. You think you're doing your best. But I'm so glad that they've reached out for help. Vincent Flav with his performance coach, therapist. My other boys with some things that they're working through. And you know what? I'm so proud of them because I want them to finish. I want them to finish this damn race. It's a long race. It's not a sprint. It's one, like Mark Twain said, life is one darn thing after another. And so by the grace of God, by by hunger for God and his word, in his presence, there's a way forward and some good community, intentional community. Yeah.
1: yeah. So amazing. Vince, you got a couple of things you wanted to get out and then we'll wrap it up. I, I,
0: think, I would think we should also just inject a bit of the tension in our relationship too. Yeah. I think that would, people would be interested in. So what are you guys, my dad, there's Italians out there that are so scared. They don't put their kids in swimming lessons. That's not the type of fear of my parents. They yeah, I've skydive white water raft. We've done all sorts of fun adventures, we'll ride bikes down hills in Collingwood at sixty, you know, kilometers an hour. We've maybe even faster, maybe sixty miles an hour. Anyways, letting me go ride for four hours in the middle of nowhere. Like my parents have given us room to move. So I wanna be clear, like it's the fear, there's this fear though, like Maybe dad, we can, this is what I always try and push my dad on. Dad, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. But there's, he's always monitoring the pace. I don't have the exact language, but he's just worried about like how much I put out there. And, and actually I remember when I talk about parents, I talk about marriage. He's like, just Vince, be careful. I'm like, why not? They need to hear this. But I starting to see maybe I should just focus on getting this right in the house because with social media as uh, Bishop TD Jake says, a lot of people use language to cover up lifestyle. And that really spoke to me because I'm guilty of that. I know what to say because I have a father like my dad. I can put posts up on my social media that come from the wisdom of a 67-year-old, not from the experience of a 41-year-old. And I need to be careful that I'm not projecting stuff out there because it gets a lot of likes because people oh man, Vince, that's so good. That's so good. So I think one of the things my dad's kind of aware of, and I'm aware of, but like where there's tension that we want to, we want to, we have to be careful on is like, we don't project what we're not living out in the home. And my dad always gave us a simple saying, if it's not working inside the home, don't export it. Your faith. Your- don't export what's not working inside the home. And I think that's probably been the biggest gift my parents have given us. It's I, I am proud of my relationship. Like I truly am. Like like, like Flabby and I, like she's a firecracker. She's a type one, you know, personality. It's taking me 10 years just to start figuring out how to just navigate things. And we're just starting to find a good stride, but I'm aware that I have to, I have so much work to do inside the home. I've got to figure out, I got to put all this stuff I've been told by my therapist in a practice. I need to rest more so I can be more present with the kids. So I think when you've got a combination of the model The bar to shoot for. And then when you stop freaking projecting stuff that's not actually working in your house, and you actually just start to apply this stuff and you commit to doing the work and make it a priority, you can get this right. So, dad, what do you is that pretty spot on? I think you're scared still. Like and I'm scared too. I think I always tell dad, I'm like, but dad, this is the risk of me putting myself out there. I am helping a lot of people, I just have to be careful that I don't put out stuff that's actually not happening in my personal life, because I know what to say. I know what to say because I look at his life and I've got the access to the wisdom of all these guys who are like 20, 30 years down the road. So I risk Vince, you were preaching all this stuff. This look what just happened to you. So that's probably my personal fear too. How do you phrase it? Like you get exposed. You're like, this guy was a fraud, right? There was a couple, I won't name them this past summer that the big marriage experts and then massive followings. And then they had a big divorce. And I'm like, geez. And they're like, the reason they separated, I, I believe what I gathered from their social media posts was like, they were both trying to, they okay. were, they both had their own, they were both getting in the way of each other's personal goals. I'm like, so the marriage wasn't priority. Yeah. I'm like, the marriage wasn't a priority. They yeah. both had dreams and ambitions that they couldn't achieve because of the other person. So they made sense to separate I'm like, what a BS relationship. Yeah. Vince, so they, I want to
2: just there. say, that, I want to say to Frank, you're doing. Uh, it's Frank, right? Of course. Yeah. yeah. Frank, <laughs> I, you got, you got two, No, you've got two good names, Frank and Rich. Rich I could call you Rich too. It'll yeah. be like a first name.
1: It wouldn't be the first one either. Yeah.
2: No. Just, I was going to say Vince is spot on there, and I, I want to say, you know, to you, you're doing good work, brother. Like just.
1: Yeah. Give, give advice to
0: guys like us, that like younger guys, who, we are trying to do a good work, but we are like, we're not through the mud. Like we're on like mile one of a 26 mile race. Give advice to younger guys who are trying to like reach and share positive stuff. But what do I know about marriage? Yeah. You know,
2: Take, Just be aware of your, your roots and wings. Like Bill, make sure you, Vince often not mocks me. Cause I say he doesn't mock me. Cause he's put me in front of a lot of groups, masterminds, talk about personal foundations. But I've never mocked you. Not mocked me. Just said, Dad, some people have foundations and they never do anything with it. That was oh, weird. And that's it. true. Some mm. people hide behind foundation. Oh, I got to build my foundation. They never do a damn thing. Um, here, it's just
1: here's a foundation. It's <laughs> a here's big Frank, foundation.
2: He, here's Frank. He's recycling his pain. Like I've heard your story a little bit. Like you're rec- you a wounded warrior. But you're wounded. But you're a warrior. You're still in the game. Life Life is about men go through four stages. And this is what I want to say to the guys here is there's the stage of the warrior stage where you're trying to figure out what you're fighting for. And then you go through the season you guys are in right now, you're kings, you're leaders of something. Like you're leading a movement towards holiness and purity and whatever words you use. I don't know what they all are, Frank. Vince is a king in his domain. Um, He's integrating his business and his faith and his family, trying to put it all together. And then you go through a season I think I'm in is the sage or the mystic, the person who's, I don't need to compete with you guys. I don't care about how many likes I have or don't have. We all are tempted to flirt with that shit. But but at the same time, I want to be the wise person. I want to be the person who you guys can all talk over each other, but I'm going to just sit back and wait. When, When it's done, let me, I can speak, please. And then the last one is the lover. The season of where when people are with you, just feel so loved and safe and you're they're in a harbor with you. And I think those are four, those come from Carl Jung, but I think as a Christian, I've christened them. Like figure out what your fight is. What are you fighting for? What do you want to be the cause of? Here's a great question. See what how you define that will determine your motivation to live a holy life and to live a life that honors God. What do you want to be the cause of? And then in, in your king stage this applies to women too when a woman is leading but we're talking to men. What are you leading? What are you the king of? What what's your domain? What is, what has God given you and is it worth sacrificing for that? You guys are both sacrificing. Like you're Frank, the, the world you I pray for you actually because when you start talking about men's sexuality you are a target, buddy. You you are a target of the of your greatest strength can become your greatest weakness. And man, you're right. You need to make sure you have mentors around you or a mentor. It doesn't have to be a lot. And then uh, get to the place where you become a sage, a wise man. And then uh, Lord willing, we can all evolve to becoming, not evolve, but become the, the lover, the true lover of people's souls and see people, really see them.
1: Yeah, that's powerful. And I appreciate you both and and Luce, just don't think that those words of you know praise and encouragement, like they don't they they don't go unnoticed. I really do appreciate you guys Shannon. Just real quick, I'll share you guys know the inspiration, but just speaking on kind of the vulnerability and and the openness. For me, for the longest time, Frank Cruz Fitness was started. Yeah, I wanted to help people fitness, but I truly wanted to inspire people to live a better life, to become Mm -hmm. a better version of themselves. And I think one of the awakening moments for me was. Looking at the content that I was putting out, when, it, when I came to the realization that it was not aligned with how I was living, it was one of these moments, like I was looking in the mirror, like, you can't continue lying to the world. You can't continue telling people to become the best version or become a better version or grow and evolve into what you were meant for when you're living with a secret in, in that in of itself, that conversation, looking myself in the mirror, having that talk with me was truly the genesis of this podcast, which has now grown and evolved into completely different direction for the online business. And now has become my life's work of coaching men struggling with the same issues that I was struggling with for 20 years. But I would have never gotten to that point if I wasn't, Harsh, not harsh enough but if I didn't have the conversation with are is what you're saying to the world truly aligned with how you're living so yeah. you know I, I Vince thank you thank you for sharing guys this is this hour plus has has blown by I don't think I had to ask a single question it was just a flow of a conversation so I appreciate you you both so much for your time and, and, and sharing your wisdom and and, and your thoughts here. As we wrap it up, I think I think maybe there's a chance for to squeeze in one, one last question. We talked about what can guys do to prepare themselves for for becoming a father or or for marriage. So you both you know, mentioned setting a foundation. Is there something I know you guys are working together on a project that's going to be really unique? Can you share perhaps just a little bit about some of the foundational principles with the program and, and, and course that you guys are working? I don't want to share it yeah. all, but if there's anything you can share about what we can expect with this building your foundation that you guys are working on together. We're filming something
0: tomorrow or actually Monday morning. Yeah. We're thinking along the lines of personal disciplines. What are those personal disciplines to level up in your uh, home life and your, your business life and all areas of your life. So there's a lot of, a lot of them that uh, there, I think we got 10 or 12 things, but I think what people can take away is to be intentional. Like my dad said it at the start, if you business guys just put 5%, into your, like reading a parenting book or reading a a relationship book, if you just put 5% of the effort you put into your workouts, into your business, like you'd have a, you'd have a great relationship. Your marriage would be amazing. Your spiritual life would be amazing. It's what's, I think my dad just said, is this important? What is this important? You have to decide, like you really have to decide, are you going to make this faith your own? Or is this just gonna be cool stuff that you use to get ahead in life by? You can package this stuff up and monetize it in that. But yeah, you will get found out. And I think that's what I've had a, an example of seeing. You'll get shown, you will get exposed one day. You have to do the work. So I would just encourage people to keep, make time for everything that we've already said. This is a marathon, this is a long race. So if it's a long race, How do you prepare for it? Yeah, it can't just be business. Frank, we got to talk more. We got to have a set time each week for Bible study. We got to have church every Sunday. We have to have... You have to build your life with with parameters, margins, non-negotiables, and you've got to focus on those things first Sunday. So you got to focus on all the big rocks and be intentional because again, I think the encouraging word here is that you can learn all this. If my dad figured this out, if I've got a few things going you can figure this out. I'll
2: Uh, give you you a little VIM. You have to be
0: intentional. That's my final thing. It's just, you got to be intentional. This fits
2: in with Vince. VIM stands for, what is the vision you hold for yourself? Vision is a picture of a preferred future that gives me energy and passion today. So if your vision isn't vivid, what's your vision for your personal life? Like my mantra is aligning people's souls, roles, and goals. See, that motivates me. If I can help you align your soul, with your roles and your goals, we got a winning combination. That sounds cute, but it it, it steers me. That's my vision to help men become mature in Christ. What's my intention? Um, so, vision you got to have a clear picture. Then you need intentionality towards that, and then you need a method. So, I was saying earlier, I think one thing that guys could do, and if you don't have the resources, reach out to Frank. Like he probably has a whole toolbox of stuff. Start reading the scriptures, and if you don't know where to start, reach out to someone for help. There's no short. There's well, no. Well, tell reason. them.
0: Tell them where to start, Dad. We read Proverbs. Tell them. Yeah. To pick up your Bible today. Yeah, actually, know
2: what we did with the online guys? The seven-figure men Bible study on Friday mornings. We went yeah. through Proverbs every week. We did one
0: so, chapter every week. Yeah, so today's well, and I'll give you guys a simple one that my dad gave me. And if I fall off track, this is how I get back on track so what is it today today is december the 19th when this drops probably be december 21st read proverbs 21 today yeah. tomorrow proverbs. read proverbs 22 proverbs. And this just, take, the, just, begin- just start at the wisest man of all time just read what he had to say about wisdom i don't think there's anybody listening here who doesn't want more wisdom so I, just read one chapter a day and that's a great place and then pray about what you read let's just start there sure
2: I would encourage everybody to really get into uh, – I'm going to give you a passage of Scripture that I want you to guys to read on your own. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 19-27, Paul uses the word win about eight times. He wants you to have a winner's theology. He says, even though I'm free from all men, I've made myself a slave to all that I might win the more. Paul wants to succeed. He wants to win at his task at his vision. But he says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets their prize? Run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete trained to do it, what it should do, not what it wants to do. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. That's the foundation. Like you want to win? Paul says, you want to win? Make sure the core is right. Get the core working. And then you can have all kinds of, that's the key. To me, that's my life passage right there. You want to have, a. you can have a loser's theology, which is based on a lot of smoke. Or you can have a winner's theology that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But I think you got to do a personal inventory. you got to do a personal self-assessment. Where am I? Where do I want to go? And how badly do I want to get there? And who's going to help me get there? It's not a quick fix. Here's two, three. I think you have to really think deeply about this. How badly do I want to know God and experience Him? And I think that's really where it begins. Actually, we didn't say this, but when it says don't lust on a woman, the verses before... Say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall see God. So you can't, the way the, the ultimate solution to dealing with our lust issue is a relationship with Christ. If you don't hunger and thirst for the Lord, then you are vulnerable. And you know what I mean? David was yeah. passionate for God, but he was also passionate for women. He just turned that passion in the right direction. We have what we call the Book of Psalms. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> i feel like we could open up a couple more podcast episodes right now yeah no
1: we could, could continue and if, if there was going to be a perfect place to to end this today i think i think that mic drop right there is yeah. <laughs> is it i had a series of, of questions truthfully sorry i i know i we i covered it we covered it all i always have one last bit it's what is the definition of a superhuman life i don't think we really need to cover that because <laughs> In that one Corinthians 9, 19 to 27, establishing your personal foundation. I think that in of itself would, would be the essence of, of what we would try to get across. So just so appreciative for, for both of you. Obviously, Vince, we're gonna we're gonna plug your IG, your YouTube, anything else for the audience. Obviously, for you guys that are curious about some online business stuff. Vince is the guy. Vince is responsible for getting me online back in 2017, and he will be responsible for what we do. He smirks when I say responsible, but he will play a massive role in help building what will become what we do with Rebuilt Recovery next year in 2021. So for those of you guys that are curious about the online fitness side or the online business stuff, we'll plug Vince's information down in the show notes. Looch, I know you mentioned uh, doing, open up some coaching. Is this something that if guys are curious, can they reach you, contact you? How? Yeah, how reach,
2: can reach, reach reach me through Vince. Okay. However, they yeah, Vince funnels people my way. I've got my own network, but Vince... Okay sends people my way. He knows the type of person that I, I find I won't coach you if you're not coachable. So Vince knows I'll fire people before they hire me. Got it. And, got you
1: know, it. Yeah. So, so for you guys that are, that are curious about what coach Luch had to say here, we'll plug Vince's information. If you have more questions about that, reach out to Vince and his team and he'll get you guys connected, but appreciate you both for, you know, you for, for, for making this time on a super early Saturday morning. Guys, you, you heard it all here. Questions on building yourself as a father what what you can do with your kids and, and really molding and evolving them. And the importance of loving your wife and serving serving your partner it was just tremendous guys make sure if you didn't listen to it with a pen and paper come back let's do it again but we appreciate you guys for giving us your ear today for vince and luce del monte frank rich we'll see you guys next week